University campuses across Canada have become a flashpoint for tensions surrounding the Israel-Hamas war. On Tuesday, about 200 students and staff staged a walkout and rally at Toronto's York University in response to the school's suspension of three employees who were charged for their alleged involvement in defacing an indigo bookstore. And earlier this month, clashes between pro-Palestinian and pro-Israel groups at Concordia University led to at least two security guards and one student being injured. The Globe's post-secondary education reporter, Joe Friesen, has been following what's going on. Today, he'll help us understand why the Israel-Hamas war is creating tensions on campus and how it's testing the way free speech is handled at universities. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Joe, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So you were recently at this protest at York University. Uh, can you explain what, what was going on there? Why were people protesting? So the protest was about uh, these three York faculty members who had been uh, suspended after they were uh, charged in connection with an act of vandalism at the Indigo stores in downtown Toronto. The store had been postered and some paint splattered. And uh, last week, Toronto police made uh, 11 arrests in connection with that case. Mm. One of the people arrested is as a former chair of sociology at York University, Leslie Wood. And the protest uh, was calling for her and for the other people arrested to be reinstated. Uh, so there were lots of chance of reinstate them now and, and uh, a feeling that, that York had, had overstepped in suspending them from their positions at the university. Hmm. And, and why was the Indigo bookstore defaced? Like, can you explain a little bit of that so we can kind of understand the context here? Right. So Indigo uh, is owned by uh, Heather Reisman, uh, who, in the eyes of the protesters, has connections to an organization that provides funding to Israeli soldiers which has made her a target for some of these protests. Now, she's also a Jewish business owner, and I think that caused a lot of concern um, in, in some parts of the community that the Jewish businesses were being targeted uh, as a result of these protests related to the war between uh, Israel and Hamas taking place in Gaza. So um, that was the, the reason, I think, for the, for the targeting of her business, and then some of the things that were, were put on the posters were very specific to that. Yeah, and this is why the police call this this uh, this situation hate motivated. This is they think this is the the reason behind it essentially. That's right. Yeah, the police did call the the charges hate motivated, although the charges is, is mischief, hmm. and uh, I think they're they're also charged with conspiracy to commit an indictable offense. Okay, so so this is the reason why people were protesting at York this week, Joe. Uh, but this is not the first incident since October 7th at York University. Uh, can we back up a little bit and talk about what else happened there? Uh, I'm specifically thinking about the statements from the student unions. Yeah, so the student unions got in a lot of hot water with the university administration and with people all around uh, the province and the country for a statement they put out uh, after the October 7th Hamas attacks. What they're accused of doing is downplaying the Israeli casualties and describing the attacks as an act of resistance. The statement referred to so-called Israel, which I think caused a, a lot of uh, a lot of people, particularly in the York administration, to 
to view the statements really negatively. And so what the university did was call, it condemned the statements, it called on the union to retract them, and it called for the executives of the student union who signed the statement to resign. Mm-hmm. And none of those things has happened yet. The union ha- has not backed down. But it's, it's certainly set up a, a scenario where there's a lot of friction between the university and its student leadership right now. Why is it that York is seeing so many incidents of conflict on campus? I guess what's what's unique about the situation here? Yeah, it's interesting that York is such a center for this uh, for this conflict, but it has been for a long time. Historically, uh, this this particular conflict in the Middle East has played out on the York campus maybe more than uh, other universities. Um, and in part, I think it's because there are significant communities with close connections to the war, so both uh, Jewish student groups and Palestinian students and Arab students uh, who maybe have a a closer connection than some. And I think Mm -hmm. over time, those historical events are remembered uh, as significant political moments in the university's history. And so they um, maybe take on greater resonance. So you you alluded to something that this is, you know, this is not the first time we're seeing these kind of incidents. Can, Can you explain what you mean by that, Joe? The incidents at York go back at least 15 years. You know, at various other points in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, when things have been hot, you've seen events play out on the York campus that sort of echo what's going on politically elsewhere. So um, it was about three or four years ago, maybe more than that now, when uh, students invited uh, a former IDF soldier to York uh, for, a, for a speech on campus, and that event was disrupted. There were protests, and it escalated into scuffles. Police had to get involved. Uh, and that was certainly a bit of a, a black eye for the campus. IDF, of course, being Israel Defense Force soldier. Yeah, that that's was... right. Yeah. So a former Israeli soldier uh, was invited to campus and then that um, met with a lot of opposition. And, and in other years, there have been uh, events where students have been in, in sort of face to face confrontations. There have been protests connected to a mural on campus that depicts uh, what uh, many people believe to be a, a, a Palestinian teenager with what appears to be a rock held behind his back, sort of facing toward what people assume to be a, an Israeli bulldozer. Um, and some donors have been upset about the presence of that mural. Students have complained about it. Other students have defended it. And that, that mural still remains in the, in the student center to this day. Uh, and still is somewhat of a source of, of consternation for some people. So there have been lots of events at York over the years where this conflict has bubbled up. Hmm. And so that's York University, which is kind of just north of Toronto. And Concordia in Montreal is also another campus that we're, we're really seeing kind of these, these rising tensions uh, happening there. Why is that? Why Concordia as well? Well, I think like York, uh, Concordia, which is in Montreal, has a similar collection of diaspora populations that are connected to this conflict. So significant Jewish population, significant uh, Palestinian and Arab population. And also like York, there have been a lot of you know moments uh, historically where this conflict has uh, really bubbled up on its campus. So the most famous probably on a, on a incident on a Canadian campus was in 2002 when Benjamin Netanyahu was scheduled to speak at Concordia. He was invited and there was, he was not prime minister of Israel at the time. He was not in power, although he has since returned to power. Um, but the, the protests were really intense and uh, there were clashes on the streets of Montreal, broken glass. The speech never went ahead, uh, despite Netanyahu's determination to, to, to give the talk. Uh, so it was one of the first moments of a big campus cancellation, which has become a an issue in recent years, and, and uh, uh, it ended up being a, the subject of an NFB documentary. Um, so it's uh, the, the conflict has long roots at that university, too. Hmm. Yeah. 
So we've been focused here on, on New York and Concordia, but of course, these aren't the only campuses where there's tensions around the Israel-Hamas war right now. Uh, what have we seen at other universities, Joe? Well, similarly, there have been protests elsewhere, walkouts. Um, there have been lots of statements issued by student groups that have drawn the ire of one side or the other. At uh, Toronto Metropolitan University, for example, the law students put out a statement that, that had many people very upset. Uh, at the University of Toronto, Mississauga, another student group has come under fire, uh, and the leadership of that group had their names read into the, the record at the Ontario legislature uh, mm-hmm. by the Minister of Colleges and Universities that was condemning what they had said and calling on them to to retract their statement. Uh, UBC, where um, someone had put up stickers uh, declaring basically support for Hamas, which mm-hmm. I think frightened a lot of people in the community, uh, although it later turned out that the stickers had been put up by someone who had been a contractor with uh, Hillel, the Jewish campus group. And it's hard to tell exactly what happened there, but it's something certainly unusual. So all across the country, this issue is bubbling up on campuses. There's no question that um, it's one of those conflicts that just seems to draw the attention of the world. Is this something that we're seeing in other countries as well, Joe? Like in the States, is there, are there similar things happening? Well, in the States, definitely there have been um, lots of protests on campus. And in some cases that has you know, actually resulted in confrontations. Um, and, and, the, and the part that I think is getting a lot of attention is the, the way that statements being issued by some of these student groups are drawing a lot of attention from people in business and other parts uh, of government. Um, maybe in a way that wasn't the case in earlier kinds of conflicts. You know, now with social media, I think any student group can get a wide reach very quickly through Twitter or through Instagram. And when they make statements that that people in in public life or in business disagree with, those people come after them. And we've seen that in the United States where uh, some business leaders have said that anyone signing on to statements that condemn Israel or or in any way try to shift blame for what's occurred to to Israel following the Hamas attacks. Um, you know, people are saying we will not hire these students. Wow. Um, and then they want to create sort of lists of the students' names to, uh, to ensure that, that that doesn't happen. I mean, so from what you're saying, it sounds like the stakes of protesting today are, you know, kind of different than they would have been a generation or two ago, right? Like these are things that are getting a lot of attention. They're written down. They're in, you know, the record of the Ontario legislature, as you mentioned as well. So, I mean, I guess, do you see the consequences of speaking up for students on campus as, as something different than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, I think that's a really big change in the way that, that social media allows people to make statements quickly. They can get really wide dissemination, you know, with a few retweets, all of a sudden you could Get, you know, having millions of people see what you have said in their feeds. And uh, if what you've said is intemperate or it's a little off the mark, um, you'd be facing consequences that in a way, you know, once upon a time, if you gave a speech through a megaphone on campus, well, a few people heard it. But half an hour later, could anyone remember exactly what you had said? Maybe not. Whereas now it's right there in black and white and forever. We'll be back after this message. Okay, so Joe, we've talked a lot about what what specifically has happened, but let's talk about kind of the the bigger picture here about university campuses and and what we're seeing here. So like, I guess, why is it campuses where we see these kind of protests? Why campuses, universities, colleges? Why is it this forum? I think campuses are a place where young people are kind of finding their way in the world and they're taking their first steps as political actors. So they're 
they're young, they're bright, they're engaged, and they want to go, you know, start to have an impact in the world. That's what happens at universities, I think. And, and so, you know, political protest is one of the ways that that um, takes shape. There's a million groups that they can join. There's student governments. There's various activist, um, you know, networks that they can get connected to. So, uh, you know, people's lives start to change at this stage uh, when they're 18 to 25 years old. And um, the university is kind of a, a testing ground where they're, where they're trying out new ideas. They're debating things. Um, they're, they're still young people, so they often uh, will take really strong positions. They really, uh, really, you know, push the boundaries maybe. Uh, they wouldn't do if they were a little bit older. Um, but uh, I think this has been the way for, for decades on, on North American campuses, that this is sort of the, the, the place where where young people find their political feet. And I know you've spoken to university students recently, especially in, in the light of the recent tensions. Uh, what have they told you about the situation on campuses right now? Um, interestingly, it's a mix. So some people will say that they're feeling tense and afraid um, because they don't want these, these tensions that they're seeing uh, leading to violence in other parts of the world spilling into violence at home. And other people will say, you know what, this is Canada, that I don't feel in any way threatened by violence, but um, I really want uh, to be sure to get my point across politically. So um, at some of these protests, there have been counter-protests, and I've interviewed both sides, and particularly talking to the counter-protesters who are often putting themselves in harm's way. They're, they're bringing themselves face-to-face -face with people who are very angry with the position that they represent. Um, you know, they have said it's important from their perspective to to be there, to fly the flag, uh, in this case of Israel, uh, and to, to stand up and oppose what they see coming from the other side, often a pro-Palestinian side. So it can be tense, it can be difficult, but that's how the system should work, that this is, this is what political debate is like, uh, even in tense times. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think for the most part, we've seen things on campuses stay within the bounds of, of decorum. I mean, I guess a lot of this comes down to free speech, it sounds like, really. So maybe we can dissect this a little bit, Joe. Like, when it, when it comes to free speech, can you explain the role of the university here? Well, the university has a really important role in uh, nurturing free expression. It's, um, it's the place in society where people should be allowed to, to test their ideas, to challenge one another. And, and that's how new thinking is shaped. Uh, certainly, that's been the role of the university for, for decades, is to convene that kind of debate. So I think in, in many ways, it, it's a good sign that these debates are still occurring on campuses, and there is still um, a clash of ideas, if not, you know, we don't want to see anything more than that. But uh, that these ideas be debated and tested is, is a good thing. But I guess, how does a university go about deciding which forms of speech are, are acceptable? Because there's also a lot of talk about universities being a safe space for, for students and, and for ideas. So how do they decide what are, what's acceptable and what's prohibited? That's a tough one. So um, in Ontario, for example, a lot of the universities, uh, in fact, all universities were required to adopt a statement on free expression in line with the principles outlined by the University of Chicago in a, in a statement they put out about 10 years ago. Mm. Free expression under, under the University of Chicago principles should be allowed its sort of greatest possible width or breadth or depth um, within the limits of safety. Uh, so you don't want anybody to encourage violence. You don't want any, anyone promoting hatred against a particular group. But those are, those are the sort of the limits of the law already. 
universities, I think, have a, have a responsibility to ensure that their student populations feel safe as well as are, you know, are physically safe. Uh, and that's where things get a bit tricky because that's when, when a student group, for example, makes a statement uh, that makes Jewish students uncomfortable. Universities in some cases in Canada have stepped in to say, you're going too far here, as they have at York uh, or at McGill, where recently the, the students uh, passed a referendum against what they called a, the, the genocide in Palestine. Uh, and in both of those cases, the university has said that those statements go too far and, and are, are run counter to the constitution that governs the student unions. And so that's created an issue for student unions where the university is now potentially um, going to come after their funding. Wow. Yeah, because so, so it sounds like so there are this kind of set of, of guiding rules, these principles from the University of Chicago that, that a lot of institutions in Canada have adopted. But it does seem a little subjective still or open to interpretation depending on the situation. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely open to interpretation. Um, and I think it's very difficult for these administrations to, to handle in a way that satisfies everyone. Uh, but I think on the whole, the guiding principles of the university do are, are sort of widely accepted and do provide a map for, for these administrations. Um, the, the statements that the universities were encouraged to adopt, I think, the, the Chicago statements and, and this movement to, to protect speech on campus came at a time when many of the threats uh, to free speech on campus were, were, were preventing speakers from the political right from finding a platform. And today you might say it's, it's speakers from the political left, or maybe that's not the right term to use, but it's essentially the, the people who are supporting uh, the, the Palestinian cause who seem to be running into more of the issues uh, related to, their, to the kinds of speech that they're, they're making on campus. Mm. I guess just to end here, Joe, I, this this seems like it's a, you know, this is a really big issue right now on campuses. And, and when we're, we're seeing this current conflict, the Israel-Hamas war kind of play out in, in these spaces, I guess, how do you see it maybe shaping the conversation around free speech on campus and, and what we what we can say and do and what we can't? Well, I think it's really important that at a time like this, um, when emotions are really high and when tensions are, are, are running at the level that they are, that people... Uh, hold the principles of free expression um, tightly and, and ensure that, that that speech is not shut down. I think it's that that's hard to do in tough times, easy to do when when conflict is at a minimum. As we move forward, I think um, universities will, you know, just through their own internal mechanisms, have have checks and balances that come into play. And I think there are many people who are committed to ensuring that that expression remains as free as possible on university campuses. But we'll have to see. Um, you know, certainly, there there are many particular instances where there are challenges going on right now that will have to play out. You know, the the, the student challenges at York, at McGill. Uh, I'll be very interested to see how those are resolved. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Adrian Chung is our senior producer, and Angelo Pacenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.